Hello and welcome to the first ever Monday edition of the From the BLM podcast. Uh, I'm Andrew Greaves. We'll explain the absence of Simon Evans uh, shortly, but it's fair to say a slightly depleted squad for the second time in uh, in less than seven days. Uh, but I am joined by Paul Woodhouse, Justin Connolly and Chris Borden to pick the bones out of Friday night's 3-0 defeat to Manchester City. Uh, we are hoping to be joined by our glorious leader at some point, but he's faffing about with some cricket in Miami that none of us can, can kind of get his head around. Um, so we're going to crack on. Um, so chaps, 3-0 to Manchester City. Um, it kind of went to script, didn't it? An early goal from uh, from that man, Haaland. I think most of us were probably fearing the worst at that point, were we? Chris, what did you think when that first Haaland goal went in in under five minutes? Yeah, it just it takes all the air out of your uh, your balloon as such, doesn't it? It was just such a such a soft goal to give away. I mean, he, and and you don't give that fella a, a, a moment, do you? And I I, I know we're sort of. Uh, a lot of the discussion was on sort of uh, old Shea and Bayer dropping towards the goalkeeper and giving him a just that glimpse of space. But he, he the, both finishes are, are, are sensational finishes, and he's uh, I think probably his only two touches in the game, weren't they? <laughs> it's uh, it, it's just soul destroying to go down to you know within three minutes against the side that you rarely even scored against. To then you know to be requiring you know two two to get a win from uh, from that sort of game it's yeah it's not but the but the response was fabulous I thought you know for for, for the remainder of the uh, the first half yeah I mean Justin it it's easy when you go one nil down to then start dropping the plan that you've worked all week on and start chasing the game but I think one of the positives and we'll come on to positives and negatives um in in general in a in a few minutes but. I think one of the positives was the fact that we weren't getting dragged out of position. We weren't chasing, you know, pointless balls. We were still trying to keep that system, weren't we? Even at 1-0 down against, you know, arguably the best club side in the world. Yeah, you know, we, we, we definitely seem to have a game plan and a way of playing. And I don't think that early goal uh, threw us off that at all. Um, I think all, all three goals, to me, seemed like preventable, which... Although that, although it's a negative, obviously that we lost lost three nil. I think the margins are still quite fine. You know, um, we didn't. It didn't feel to me like we got uh, a real hammering. It felt like we were we were sort of in the game, even though we were we were out of it because of the scoreline. And that is a real positive and the positive thing to take from it. But I have to say, I did get the impression that we were working a lot harder than they were. And that if they'd needed to step it up a little bit to get the result, they probably could have done it. I mean, look, it's, it's one game, isn't it? You're playing against the best team in the best league in the world with probably the best goal-scoring striker on the planet at the minute. It's uh, it's going to be tough, but I think they will beat um, other teams by more goals than they beat us, if that's the best yeah, you can say. <laughs> Yeah, I think I think that's it, isn't it? I think that's the kind of overriding feeling. I, I mean, I guess Woody, you know, if you look at the results in in previous encounters, keeping it under five probably seems like a, a, a good result, not being too flippant about it. But I mean, Chris mentioned that man Harlan. I think both touches were his were, were they were first time finishes. You cannot give him an inch, can you? No, you can't. And you look at those stats, don't you? The past thirteen games, is it? What's the average? What's the average? 40, what is it 46 1? That's the kind of goal, yeah, the actual difference. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I think for all the huff and puff, 
if you were to switch Haaland out with us, I think we get something out of it. Because like you say, there were only those two touches, really. And that was primarily the difference. If you look at if you watch the highlights over a couple of times, we arguably look slightly more progressive going forwards than they did. But they're very, very good at taking the sting out of a game and then saying, yeah, stop with that business. Here we go, we'll bag another. And so, yeah, it's that guy, Harland, and you really do know why he kind of gets the money that he does and why they paid as much as they did for him. Yeah, definitely. Let's get on to some positives then, because I, I think, you know, just in your right, I think, you know, there was plenty of positives to take from that. Um, mm. One for me, we've discussed him a few times, you know, and I think a couple of us have said we think he will make that step up. Lyle Foster. I mean, mm. I thought the South African um, had a really good game. I don't think he's going to be that striker you're going to get 20 goals a season from. But did you see enough in that performance on Friday night to suggest that even playing slightly out of position on the left uh, left wing, which is what he started as, really, that Foster is somebody who's going to come become attuned to what's required in the, the top line? Absolutely. I mean, I thought I thought he had a great game. He had he, he had some good intensity about him. He looked really fit and sharp, didn't he? Um, th- there were a few um, there were a few good moves that we put together with that sort of forward line that doesn't hasn't really played together as far as I know. It wasn't wasn't didn't feature in the preseason friendlies that I saw. Um, and I think. Do you know what? Do you know what I think? I just think he, they didn't get enough of the ball, did they? They didn't. They didn't. I mean, we only had what was it, twenty-five, six percent of the possession, or something like that. You're not going to. You're not going to be able to create chances if you don't have the ball. But it, like, like, uh, like Paul said, if you if you go back and think about the highlights of the game, um, the 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 good stuff that we did, um was was prominent in those highlights even though we spent so little time with the ball so that to me bodes well for for when we're playing lesser opposition and everybody we face from now on is going to be lesser opposition aren't they yeah i think vincent company said after the game that that's got to be our worst performance of the season you know that's the progress he wants chris yeah. i mean we mentioned that forward line you know Osho. Uh, Amdouni, Foster, they were little pockets, weren't they, where there was good interplay and, you know, we yes, we didn't really kind of ever trouble, um, you know, ever really trouble um, the, the City goal, but they were there was promising signs there, weren't they? I've, yeah, usually promising. I, thought, I mean, it's not often you'll see that Manchester City defence make as many errors, you know, in possession as, as they did. They were forced, they were hassled, they were harried. They didn't, you know, they didn't like it. You know, the amount of times we won the ball high up the pitch, Foster was a menace. I thought uh, Collie Osho was a, a real threat with his pace, you know, driving with the ball. Thought he could have, you know, gone on the outside a few times and, and tested Lewis. I was saying on the uh, on, on the chat as well, there's a couple of occasions where he squared up uh, Lewis and little spinning behind and a, you know, a more direct ball over the top. And he's, he's in, I think. I think his pace... You know, it, it matches anything. I think, you know, you, you've had a, an opportunity to at least deliver a ball across or get a strike on goal. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm doing. He showed little flashes as well. Probably made a meal of the uh, of the challenge for the penalty, which you know, it's in, in hindsight, I don't I don't think it was. But uh, yeah, just Foster again. He, he I think we we saw in flashes last year that he he, he can be a you know a real pressing machine. He'd be an absolute nuisance and. Uh, you know, like I say, he looks leaner. He looks more in tune with what company wants, and uh, yeah, really, really promising signs. 
Yeah, and we'll bring Simon. Simon's joined us. We'll bring him in for his his first touch. Uh, hopefully, it's a, a nice, easy touch back to the goalkeeper in a second. But before we do that, Woody, <laughs> defensively, some positives as well. I think you know that I, I can't, still can't work out what shape we were playing at the back. But you know, let's start with some positives before we pick apart some negatives at the back. You know, Alda Keel, you know, for for somebody so young, looks an absolute talent, doesn't he? And we said this last season, but this is a higher level. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Well, he's he's got quite an engine on him, hasn't he? He's got he's got pace. He's got an engine. I remember him turning up every single corner flag in both halves and thinking, why have you popped up there? You know, are you playing left back, right back, inverted full back, inverted wing back? What the devil's going on? And you know, yes, he was at fault for the third goal, giving the free kick away and then a soft header. But the rest of it, it was pretty much everywhere all over the park. I think that definitely bodes well for the rest of the season once once we settle down with whether we're playing a back three, back four, however we're gonna however we're gonna play it. Yeah, definitely. And uh, Simon, um, let's talk about Sander Berge first of all. Sander Berger, however we pronounce it, I think he's kind of pronounced it on his own reveal video, Auntie. But um, what did you make of his performance? I think you've kind of changed your opinion of his performance, having watched some of the play back as, as well, haven't you? Yeah, I mean, watching the game, it is different when you watch a game uh, live and you watch it as a fan with the emotion and, and the sort of tension and everything. And then you go and watch it the next day, which I, I, I've done before with teams that I've covered as well. Uh, when I was covering United a lot, I used to do that. And it is, it's is—it's really worthwhile exercise for people who want to analyse a bit. Is, is, is just to watch it again. You think you've seen everything, but you haven't when you're watching it as a fan. And, and, and uh, watching it as a fan, I was like, Berger looks a bit slow. He's not really having an impact on the game. And I watched it back, and, and he was involved quite a lot more than I thought. He kept it simple. He is a bit he's a bit, he's a bit lacking pace when he first gets that ball, that first yard or two. You can see him that being an issue. But it was interesting as well. I saw some comments from a Sheffield United fan on one of the chat forums um, on, on Tony Scholes' website where... This Sheffield United fan was saying, "Yeah, we made that mistake of playing him like in that deeper role. He's actually much, much better further forward in midfield." But I did find watching it again that that I was more impressed by him. I mean, I think there are qualities there. Um, probably pace isn't one of them, but um, you know, he had considering you know, and company said it as well. Considering he'd, he'd only had a couple of training sessions with the team, and, and you're playing against Manchester City, he, he coped pretty well, I think. Yeah, and I think the testament, you know, the thing that I looked at is him and Cullen in that midfield. It, it wasn't, I mean, you didn't notice them very much because obviously you've got someone like Rodri in there. He's probably one of the best in the world in, in that position. But Justin, there was no kind of, no. I don't think anybody would come away from that game going, we were completely overrunning that middle of the park, you know, because we weren't perhaps committing and leaving gaps behind us and things like that. It mm. would kind of steady away. And you've got to think, of course, that Cullen's barely featured in pre-season because he's not been fully fit. Berger's only had, you know, one, two training sessions, as Simon just said there. It's yeah. not bad to kind of patch up a midfield and play against the likes of Bernardo Silva and Rodri and, you know, that absolute galaxy of talent that City have got in the engine room, is it? No, I don't I don't think they put in a bad performance. But I'll say the same about the midfield, as I said, about what happened up front. We just didn't have the ball enough, did we? You know, it, I, I felt that I felt that um, that Burge was a little bit 
anonymous in that first half in particular. I'll have to take your word for it, Simon, that he was better than than he appeared on the first run. But if you haven't got the ball, there's a lot of positional things going on that 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 you know your standard punter won't necessarily see. And you're right. We like I said, it didn't feel to me like we were being overrun. They were recycling the ball a lot from side to side as they always do, trying to you know bewitch you with that sort of circular passing movements that they do. But they didn't really, you know, they didn't. It didn't feel to me like they were, they were, they were like crushing us in that part of the pitch. So, Cullen and and Burge must have must have have done a decent job there. And to say that he'd only been at the club for for two days and you throw him in to, to that, um, that's got to be a triumph, hasn't it? That's got to be a plus point for us because um, you, you know as company kept saying over and over again after the game, we're going to get better than that. And he's certainly one of those players who's 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 going to get better as he settles into that role isn't he yeah definitely chris i was i, mean, I was surprised that the uh, possession starts because I, I felt like you know you, you get a feel of the game without looking at the you know the, the bare statistics i felt like we had more of the ball and that it was pr- probably even a you know a, a, a slight criticism that we didn't move it with enough zip at times mm. you know unless mm. Coley Osho was dri- was driving with the ball it felt like we weren't advancing it, you know, quickly enough. But no, Burge, I thought you could see that there was a trust in him already. His teammates were giving him the ball in tight situations. He can handle it technically. To me, again, I've not, I've not seen like the sort of dual statistics as they like to talk about now. But it, it felt like to me, give Burnley that physicality and that he was winning the aerial challenges in in that area of the pitch. You know, nothing too progressive with his with his passing or driving forward with the ball, but. I, I thought he was quiet away. I, I thought he did very well, and I think he's going to be a you know a, a huge part of the uh, the side moving forward. Yeah, and and Woody, just looking at kind of you know where where we put that performance in the context of first game of the season, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, it, it, did it feel to you like almost an extension of pre-season for Vincent Company? I know we, we kind of floated this idea on the, the WhatsApp group between us, but did you, you know, I'm not saying we we kind of chalked it off as a, you know, we're never going to win mm. this, but did it feel a bit more like a game where, you know, actually getting a performance was more important than perhaps, you know, running ourselves ragged, you know, looking for a win, looking for a goal, and then getting absolutely annihilated by five or six as we have done in, in previous years? I think I think you can make that argument, yes, and I think you can say the same for City as well. For City, it's a five out of ten performance. You know, they really weren't that much at the races. You know, they just kind of turned up, plodded through the motions, etc. And that's how we have to take it within context. This wasn't City at their absolute best, and we still fell three goals short. But we were looking at certain things. Obviously, we're going to get better. City are going to get better. You know, um, we're going to progress into something slightly different. So I think, in that regard, yeah, it makes it makes quite a bit of sense. Yeah, Simon, you do fear for teams, don't you? Coming up against City when they do it, their full stride, I guess. Yeah, I mean, it was. I mean, the second half especially was like a training session from them, really. Um, and we did, you know, we had one shot on target. So let's, you know, let's let's not pretend that we gave City a game. Um, it wasn't a terrible performance or anything, but. I, I do agree with what you're saying about having that preseason feel about it, which which was set by that that rather surprising team lineup that uh, company went with. 
And I think, uh, and I was a bit disappointed with that, to be honest, because what I was, you know, we were all saying in in the build up, we this might be a good time to catch City. Well, it was because they weren't they weren't anywhere near their best. Still too good. Still would have beaten most teams, but that wasn't Manchester City like you faced them in January, like when we had them in the cup last year, where they're all ready, they're all up to speed and everything. It wasn't. They didn't steamrollers for that reason. But I was just, you know, I was looking forward to seeing. Zorori take on Kyle Walker on one side. Okay, if it's Kolyosho on the other side, they're having a go at the young lad Lewis and everything like that, really taking it to them. And and it never felt like that kind of game. It did have that sort of preseason feel about it from Burnley's side as well. And I think that that for me was the biggest disappointment about the whole night, really, that it didn't have that feeling. I, I don't know what it was like for you guys in the stadium, but I, I don't remember on television hearing one of them big roars of sort of, come on, Burnley, now we've got them. You know, we've got two corners in a row or, or some sort of rush of energy that, that sort of suggested we were putting them under any pressure. We had spells that were interesting and that were promising, but they never ever came to anything. No, In, in the ground, it was the pressing that gave the fans the energy. You know, the, the, the errors they were forcing and the... You know, just get after them, Burnley. That sort of thing. You know, not 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 not, not dissimilar to how, how how Sean Dyche used to sort of you know go, go into these games. You know, where where Burnley, you know, that sort of period before pressing really took over the Premier League, where Dyche used to say we we can run over teams because we're fitter and stronger mm-hmm. until teams mm-hmm. like you know until Pochettino and Guardiola came along, and now now, now you have no advantage in that area. They're just as, uh, as 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 much likely to nick it off you as as you are them, but uh, yeah, yeah, there are a few t- few t- few times it sort of the stadium got a bit of a you know a bit of a bit of a lift and what have you, but it just needed that you know that, that Foster chance where he's curled one wide and uh, you know a couple of little snippets, you know where Colliosho came in came central, little couple of given goals that you know they had little sniffs of chances that you know didn't quite materialise into shots on goal like you say, shots on. Yeah, Justin, were you as surprised as everybody else with that lineup? I mean, I think I described it to a mate I was still in the pub with as pretty wild because I just couldn't <laughs> see what the formation was going to be. I couldn't really understand the thinking. I mean, there was only Roberts there from from pre-company days in that starting lineup. From um, if I'm not if I'm not mistaken, were you surprised not to perhaps see one or two of the old guard? I mean, no Charlie Taylor or Jay Rodriguez in the match day squad. You can only suspect that that might be down to niggles or whatever, but no yeah. good, good, uh, no Goodmanson, no Cork, no Brownhill, all of which well, have featured quite heavily that, in pre season. That the, the big surprise for me was that Zaruri wasn't playing, uh, from the off and that Brownhill wasn't playing. Um, I think we would. I think we kind of expected a strange sort of situation going on at the back on account of the fact that we don't have that left back that he, that 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 company feels he can trust. So there was always going to be like a makeshift solution to that, which seemed to me, uh, I don't know. You said you couldn't quite puzzle out what the formation was. It seemed like sometimes we play with three centre backs and like two two wide players, but. Yeah, it, it was a strange one, and and it, it's always weird to me. I think that when you see these, when you see the team playing in, in preseason and and they, they line up a certain way, it changed from game to game. So it was quite difficult to predict what was going to happen. But 
I think Brownell was one of our best players uh, last season. Zaruri, I think, is is like the real deal, and he's going to he's going to do well in the Premier League. So not to not to start with those two, and 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 as we've said, throw Bergin after two days at the club does seem like a bit of a pet move, doesn't it? It's one of those like I'm just going to pick a ridiculous lineup that's going to that's going to try you know throw the opposition off balance. It felt like a bit of one of those sort of moves to me. Yeah, and Simon, we'll, we'll talk about move on to some negatives. Um, Vitinho playing Vitinho in that role for me didn't really work. I mean, he has a bit of a hand in the opening two goals by his positional sense, perhaps not being as as good as it should. What were the other negatives? You know, aside from Zorori's sending off, which is going to cost him, you know, three games of his Premier League season. Uh, debut season, I should say. What were the other kind of negatives for for you in that performance on Friday? Um, I think when Mick Phelan uh, was talking to us last week, he he said he was the big issue was you know where's the fifteen goals going to come from up front? Where's 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 the other goals going to come from? I didn't see anything at all from uh, Burnley's attack that suggested we have that player. Um, that's not to say that Amdouni didn't have moments where he looked really promising, breaking through the lines, making things happen. looked looked like a player who could be could be dangerous at this level. Uh, very promising performance from him, um, as others have said. Um, Lyle Foster, I'm I'm still not sure about Lyle Foster to be honest. I mean, a lot of people said you know it was a better game from him, and we we've all said that he looked better in uh, in pre-season than he had done in his, his glimpses last season. And I'd, I agree with all of that. But still, you know, what did he actually produce? He runs in a straight line quite fast um, and and maybe forces a corner or something. I mean, he's not he, he's not looking like a number nine who's going to score 15 goals in the Premier League, not on the basis of what we've seen so far. And nothing against City suggested that, that he is. It was a useful performance for him. I'm not saying it was a bad performance. But I think that lack of a, a goal threat with the massive caveat that we've got to all of this, which is you're playing against a very, very good defence as well. Manchester City have got qualities all the way through the side. And then, you know, you have to look at the, the defending on, on those goals. I mean, they were super goals from Haaland, great finishes. But that doesn't mean you don't look at, at, at the way that they left the space for him. And uh, I've looked quite a bit at that. And 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 that did happen, you know. O'Shea on the on the first, and then uh, Bayer on the second, and Vitinho's role in that you could discuss as well. Um, and Company himself, he's very careful with his messaging, isn't he? But he did say in there, if we're going to concede goals, let's concede good ones, you know. So he's he was kind of, you know, I think I think he didn't want to point the finger at his defenders after that game, but Gary Neville did. He saw he saw that as well that you know that we'd backed off a little bit, so. That's going to happen, you know. It's not. That's not a problem. I think the defenders are, are good players on a, on the whole. Um, but for me, that was those two ends. And it's, it's what George Boyd said, isn't it? When we asked him, "What's the difference in the Premier League between the Premier League and the Championship? The biggest difference?" He said, "The quality at both ends in the box." And we didn't have it in 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 our attacking end, and and they had it at theirs, and we perhaps didn't have that defensive quality there when it mattered. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Would it? I mean, uh, running fast in a straight line and a useful performance, you'd have been quite happy to have been described uh, <laughs> like that, wouldn't you, in your footballing days? I, I know you're not playing at the top level, but is there something, are you as worried as Simon is about where the goals are going to come from? 
it's still one of my strong points, Andrew, if you don't mind. Uh, <laughs> yes, it, it, it all it always was, and it's and it's going. Uh, it's yeah, I don't see where ten goals are coming from. Never mind fifteen. And counter that with the fact that it only took us three minutes to work out just quite off the Premier League pace. We were while everybody mm. stared at just letting Holland do his thing. And the point is, every single side, not only in the Premiership but in a few uh, leagues below, are going to score that kind of goal against us if we stand off them and give them that kind of space. So, you know, defensive work, I'm arguably a little bit more worried about, but hopefully I'd like, if we're going to blow 30 million on someone, let it be a striker. You know, let's make that final intent and that final intention to get somebody to score those goals, even though Foster impressed upon me more than he arguably has done in any game in a Claret shirt mm. so far, you know, but I still don't know whether he's that double figures guy moving yeah. forwards. Yeah. And Chris, I mean, you know, we, we can, we saw from the documentary how much emphasis Vincent puts on, you know, going through those tapes and looking, he'll have an idea of what he needs warning now over the next two weeks, the final two weeks of the transfer window. Company will know from that performance and from pre-season what he needs, won't he? A winger. They only have five on the bench on Friday night. <laughs> <laughs> clearly need more wingers. It's just, you know, it's, uh, no, I just, I mean, look at it. I mean, it's obviously a different level. I mean, they, Oh, how many goal scorers they finished up with last season? So, you know they've they've shown that they can all chip in to some extent. I think Burnley's ever. I mean, Wooden Barnes came close on occasion, didn't they, in terms of hitting that fifteen goal mark? But uh, it's it's going to require a, a, a team effort, I think, unless they can go out and sign that. But Championship sides are finding that they can't find that sort of ten fifteen, you know, goal a season striker. Can we find it? Is it Teller? He's never played at this level for any extended period of time. You know, he, he, he's had a fabulous campaign with Burnley last year. He started well with the, well, what what effectively was his goal on opening night. It took a you know, marginal nick off Adam Armstrong for uh, Southampton. But uh, yeah, it's, do, do you see Oberfemi getting fit and doing that? Not, not particularly on what we've seen so far. It's, uh, yeah, I mean, you're asking a lot for J Rod to to you know roll back the years and, and, and sort of hit double figures again. It's uh, you know it's a real tall ask. As, as much as I love Jay to pieces and uh, you know the contribution he's made down the years, but uh, yeah, it's I said the Luton game. It might be a blessing that because that, that might have been a, a real sticky one to go there on Saturday. To you know everyone you know. You know, Burnley are used to going to that sort of stadium from the championship, and it's you know that's, that's not necessarily an issue going to Kenilworth Road. But uh, for for their first home game, bang up for it. You know, it's it's better it's to have a fort- yeah, 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 better to have a fortnight on the training ground, and uh, you know, let's you know another fortnight with the uh, executives trying to bring bring bodies through the door. Yeah. I will say on 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 Teller, if there was a YouTube video of Teller's goals last season, but he was wearing the shirt of a Belgian side or a French second division team, and we saw those 17 goals, uh, we'd all be saying, oh, snap him up. We love mm-hmm. him. He looks interesting. But now, for some reason, like I keep hearing people saying, well, he's not proven uh, the Premier League level. Well, he isn't, but none of these players we've signed are. None of them. No. So, you know, That's what's true. the difference? That 
championship is about as close to the Premier League as you're going to get outside of the Premier League yeah. and the top three or four leagues in Europe. Mm. Yeah. And just in just touching on that point that, you know, Chris made, you know, Chris Wood got close to that 15 goal mark. Barnes, he got close. Strikers for Burnley in the Premier League scoring 15, 20 goals. They're, you know, they're as rare as rocking or shit, aren't they? I mean, where, where, where are you going to find a player who's going to be able to fit that traditional number nine that you get at perhaps some of the big clubs? I mean, Spurs have lost Kane this week to Bayern Munich. There's not many clubs with that big kind of, you know, 20 goal a season guy, is there? And no, do you see not, us getting one? Do you see us being able to find one? A lot of a lot of players, a lot of teams don't play that way anymore, do they? They don't play with that target man up front. Um, I don't know if I knew where he was, I'd be on the phone to Vincent Company right now. Um, we do need to replace Vegos, we do need that. There's a hole in the squad there, isn't there, for another another striker, someone who can. We talked we talked a little bit on, on the WhatsApp group about how you know we perhaps don't have that plan B now where we can switch things up and change the way we play in the way we did last year, where you know we had Barnes who could play different ways in different games and we did scrap out some results that way. So we do need somebody who can offer that that something a bit different. But um I, to be honest with you, I'm not taking many negatives from that performance against against City. It, it, it's one game. I I'm worried about where the goals are going to come from like everybody else. But I think the intensity of the pressing that we showed uh, against City, uh, I think if we do that against other teams, there are teams in this division that won't be able to cope with that. And I think yeah. a lot will depend on on how quickly Foster gets off the mark. If he can get a goal early on, um, we might see we might be you know seeing a different story as the season begins to play out. But you know we can't judge anything, can we? Until we've played a few more sides of varying quality. It's one game. It's 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 it was a strange game. All that all that um, all that stuff pre-game with with JJ Watt and and Alan Pace and f- I forget the YouTubers' names, but they were they were sort of all lining up, weren't they? Dude, perfect. Yeah, perfect. I'm not sure. They, I, I I I always I always put that in the column of of things that aren't aimed at me but it all did seem a bit weird and and you know Harlan burst that that burst the bubble fairly quickly didn't he but uh, I'm I I think we got away with with I think I think we we come out of that game thinking you know we don't really know where we stand yet because we've not played enough sides but we didn't get battered uh we all those players who who had never played in the Premier League have now got their Premier League debut out of the way it's all learning and it's all progress from now definitely and you mentioned replacing Vegos. i have actually got a clause made and i was going to stick on facebook marketplace that i think might get us <laughs> two or three extra goals um, i'm quite happy you know if, if vincent's struggling there's a clause made and um i might even throw in a, an old pair of boxer shorts yeah. as well to make it even more it's, attractive. it's manchester united you've got to worry about how do they replace his goals Exactly. I mean, that contribution, I mean, they're just, you know, they're going to be in a relegation dogfight, aren't they? But uh, let's have a look at the Premier League then. Let's have a look at the Premier League. So we'll rattle through some some results. So Arsenal in the slightly delayed early kickoff uh, beat Nottingham Forest 2-1. Bournemouth 1, West Ham 1. Luton Town on their Premier League debut suffered a 4-1 defeat at Brighton. 
Um, Everton, uh, you know, I was talking about uh, Everton and, and them needing a striker. They had a lot of good play. Didn't really make it count. Neil Morpé is not the answer to their striker problems. If Dominic Calvin-Lewin's not fit, they lost 1-0 at home to uh, Fulham. Sheffield United lost 1-0 at home to Palace. Uh, probably the most surprising one, perhaps, Villa getting beat 5-1 at Newcastle. Newcastle looked superb. Uh, and then yesterday, Brentford 2, Spurs 2, first game without Harry Kane. And then Chelsea and Liverpool playing out a rather entertaining one all draw. I know we can't take much from the opening fixtures, Simon, but was there any kind of performances that stood out there for you? Any surprises in, in those performances? We didn't really get any giant killings in a traditional sense, did we? No, but Newcastle really stood out. I mean, they looked really, really good, especially on the counter-attack, you know, and, and uh, Anthony Gordon looked really impressive, um, like a proper left winger you could imagine being called up into the England team, which I never quite saw at Everton uh, when people were talking about him as a future England international. And you watch him yesterday and you think, yeah, yeah, I can see that. And then Harvey Barnes comes on on that flank as well and scores a goal and looks very lively as well. Uh, the midfield, Tonali on his debut, you know, making an instant impact, scoring a goal and looking comfortable, nearly got another one. Um, I thought Newcastle looked great. Um, you know, they've got obviously a, a big big challenge with European football as well as, as the domestic one, which is going to stretch sort of Eddie's squad um, as far as it as far as far it'll go. But, but their actual starting 11 yesterday, the way they played, they look like they will be up there in the top four again this year. Yeah, Woody, we were we were just talking about being worried about goals, as Simon pointed out. Harvey Barnes got a goal. Um, their new signing, Callum Wilson, got a goal. Two for Isak, one for Tenola. You know, they had four goal scorers in on on opening day. I mean, that's the level we're up against, isn't it? And again, you know, beating Newcastle or getting results against Newcastle is not going to be what keeps us up, but. I guess that proves what you know Mike Phelan was saying, what Georgie Boy was saying, that the level is just a step above, isn't it? It's a it's a completely different beast. Like Sam was saying, I never quite got the the Anthony Gordon hype until I saw him yesterday. You know, and they were exceptional, and they could be this season's Arsenal, arguably. Way even though even Arsenal could be this season's Arsenal, but yeah, <laughs> yeah you yeah. need you you need that ability to be able to shift it around a little bit and show penetration and make it count when it has to count. And they were, there was something else for Newcastle. And, and that seems to, that, that's it proved to me what a level, what a step up it, it really genuinely is going to be. Yeah. And Chris, I mean, you, you dealt with Eddie, you know, a lot while, well, while he was at Burnley. I, I, are you as surprised as me that he's, he stayed at Newcastle as long? I, I think I got the impression that he was almost the night watchman and the, the Saudis, when they came in, wanted somebody to steady the ship, keep them up. And then they would just pot him in favour of a more glamorous, more bigger name coach. But are you, are you surprised knowing, knowing Eddie probably better than any of us? At what he's been able to do and the way he's knitted together, what is a beautiful looking side. Let's, you know, they've lost a couple of players, but it looks a, a stunning side, doesn't it? Oh, absolutely. Not in the slightest. Not in the slightest. I think we're, it's, it's, a, it's, it's a real shame that things didn't quite, you know, didn't quite knit together at Burnley. Is, you know, is it, there, were, there were moments, you know, when we started to see this sort of patient passing game coming together and, uh, I remember one night against, uh, it might have been Sheffield Wednesday at home, and they worked the ball down the left hand side, and it, you know, they couldn't couldn't advance. Came out, 
ended up going all the way back and there's moans and groans from the crowd. They worked it down the right, cross comes in, bang, Charlie Austin. And it, Eddie, I remember speaking to Eddie about that and he was just sort of, you know, we've got to have this patience and he's, you know, really, not not just from, you know, dealing with him, but we he'd invited us to uh, you know, a couple of training uh, camps in, in Bath and things like that, and actually watching him on the training ground and the methods and just how he, how he, I think people see this little, you know, man child because he's got these, he, he does have that, <laughs> that sort of babyish look, and they think, well, he's not going to be able to, you know, command respect. And I mean, you look at that Newcastle documentary, and you know, you, you it's know, very weird when he's swearing, yeah, isn't it? Eddie's swearing, yeah, yeah. Because, yeah. <laughs> but he, he, he is, he's got, he's got that tough edge to him as well. And uh, and despite all that, I mean, I, I see Klopp was even having a bit of a dig about uh, Jason Tyndall as well. I think you're, you're only allowed one guy in the uh, technical Tendler, area, one yeah. coach. Yeah, so he was sort of saying, "Well, I think Newcastle will struggle, won't he?" But uh, but yeah, you know, mm. Jason Tyndall's an ideal foil for him. But he wants to play the right way. He's learned from mistakes he's made earlier in his his coaching career. I mean, if you look back at defensively at Burnley, we you know we're shipping goals left, right, and centre. But then he goes to Bournemouth and wins the Championship title with a magnificent defensive record. I think we conceded less than a goal a game, you know, winning the Championship title. But uh, no, he's you, the way. Well, you you look at clubs who've come into money and the way they've gone about it. And, uh, you know, I hate to bring up. Uh, our, our, our rivals down the road, but you know, Kenny Dalglish went about bringing in, you know, the players for where they were at that moment in time, and he got them out of that league, and then he got them, you know, he added and added and added, you know, he, he got Newcastle out of that situation at the bottom of the table with you know the right players. He's added again in the summer and made them better, and I'm sort of looking at the predictions this season. You're thinking, well. Newcastle finished top four last season, and they are significantly better again. Yeah. Surely, yeah. They're, surely they're going to be top four because I don't see Liverpool having made significantly better. You know, you, Liverpool could just click and just go off on a run. Chelsea could do the same. But like Newcastle have got their they're organised. They're you know they. I think they'll finish top four again. I think it will it'll take take a hell of a side to shift them out of that. Yeah, definitely. And just just mm. touching on, I think Chris mentioned Chelsea very briefly then at the end, but um, Ian Matson came on for, um, I think, his first taste of Premier League football for, for Chelsea. Um, bit of a dog chasing a Chris Packett in the wind performance, being asked to play a <laughs> bit more of a, a forward role. You know, a lot of kind of, he yeah, snatched yeah. a shot or slid into a shot. Um, yeah. Without kind of getting your crystal ball out, where do you think him playing today kind of leaves us in our chase for Matson because he, he you know it was a cameo it was only a short one but he'd get he did get on ahead of uh Cucurella, didn't he he did didn't he but I, it looks to me like uh Pochettino doesn't really feel he's going to play in that position I mean Chilwell obviously has got that that role tied down and you and you would guess that um that Matson's not going to get many games in that in that position um, and he only played 10 minutes or so, but I think the fact that, that you know, he's in the sort of top 15 players at Chelsea on day one would lend you to believe that um, he's probably not going anywhere, is he? He's probably, go- he's probably part of that group and he's probably going to remain part of that group. 
Um, if he hadn't played today and just been sat on the bench, I would have been a bit more optimistic. But the fact he gets on, I think, is probably a negative for us. But, you know, at the end of the day, if we don't get him, you know, we've got to get somebody else, haven't we? So it may be an opportunity for us to look elsewhere, get somebody who's got as much potential as he had, he has, uh, and perhaps not spend as much money. It does make me feel like that sort of 20 million that we could have spent on him, what was it, a month ago, probably would be more now if we want, want, want to go back in for him. So maybe we've missed a trick there, but you know, there are plenty more fish in the sea, aren't there? And if we have to look elsewhere, I'm sure that there's a long list in uh, Vincent Company's filing cabinet that they're working their way through at the moment. That's my, that's my whole thing. There's two at Chelsea. There's two at Chelsea. Yeah. There's young, young, young Lewis Hall that people rave about as well. And what about yeah, a cheeky yeah. little loan bid for Kukurea? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? Why not? Yeah, don't look like he's going to get many games. Yeah. Still got yeah. us two Premier League loans left. I'm, I'm sure we'll we'll chat to, uh, to to Fab and to Sasha before uh, as next podcast on Friday, of course, the usual Friday podcast. But Simon, just to finish, uh, we, we've done Matson, we've done Eddie Howe. Let's do Sean Dyche. I don't know how much you saw the Everton game on on Saturday, but I, I watched it. I, I thought they were, I thought they looked superb. You know, there was some real Alex and Warby had a cracking game. You know, there were some really good standout performances. Got them well organised. Got them zipping that ball about. That age-old Everton problem, you know, there's no Calvert-Lewin, you have no focal point strike, a bit like us. How do you see Sean Dyche and Everton faring this season based on, again, based on an opening day fixture? Yeah, I, I didn't see anything beyond the highlights, but um, I think I think that uh, they're going to struggle again. I think, uh, you know, not necessarily being right in the dogfight, but I think they'll be in that bottom third if you split the Premier League into... You know, into thirds, I think they'd be in that bottom part of it because you you just need that goal scorer. You know, it's, you know, we just talked about it being a concern for us. It's definitely a concern to Everton. I mean, I don't know what's going on with Calvert Lewin. It's such a shame he was in absolutely fantastic form when Ancelotti was there. I mean, Ancelotti had worked with him on the training ground, and uh, we did. It was it was COVID. It's going back to COVID times, and he did he did a Zoom interview with a few of us and and was talking about how. Ancelotti had said to him, go on YouTube and look up Filippo Enzaghi and uh, how he'd just been watching Enzaghi's goals and all the positions he got into. And you could see it happening on the field. I thought he was like really getting close to like being a player who obviously Kane's England's main man in that position, but that the main alternative would be Calvert-Lewin and he's just been injury after injury, hasn't it? So, yeah. you know, he, he doesn't seem to have the resources there to go and get somebody. Um, and he, he's, you know, there doesn't seem to be a young player coming through who he can throw in there. So it's a case of him sort of managing that situation and trying to eke out goals from his wide players or something. So I think I think they are going to struggle to get out of the bottom three, uh, bottom yeah. third. Sorry. Yeah, definitely. Right, well, let's leave it there, chaps. Thank you uh, so much as ever for contributions. Don't forget, you can. Uh, catch our usual podcast on Friday on all your usual platforms. Don't forget you can log on to fromthebln.com um, for all of the uh, all of the links to the various podcast uh, platforms that we're on. Uh, and don't forget you can check us out on social media at BL Podcast on Twitter and Facebook. Uh, don't forget leave us a review, a like, share, tell your friends, get in touch, drop us some feedback, whatever you want via the message boards as well. Uh, but until next time, enjoy the rest of your week and we'll see you soon.